it's a nerd fight. It's a nerd fight. The 307 RPG podcast is streamed live every Sunday morning on twitch.tv slash 307RPG at 9 a.m. Mountain Time. You can also find us at our website, 307RPG.com, on YouTube, and on most podcasting apps. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the 307 RPG podcast. I'm Patrick. I'm Nolan. Hi, I'm Zach. Fellas, what's new in your worlds? Anything? Nothing. I got uh, a new computer chair. I see that. <laughs> yeah, fancy it's a magnet. Labs. That's cool. Oh. Also, your background really freaked out when you tried to grab something from behind you. <laughs> it did, didn't it? It's like you're no. reaching into another. Yeah, yeah. Like every time you reach backwards. That's funny. Do you like it? Yes. And it's a secret labs, right? Yeah. Um, they had a little Black Friday sale ish. Um, I think I did the math and I spend more time in a chair than I do in my bed. So I figured I could do this. Yeah. Could, it's time. That's hilarious. That, this is a lot of bad about me and nothing good about my life. <laughs> a lot of bad about you, but nothing good. That's awesome. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, it, it's very nice. It's well made. Uh, it's weird having good. Uh, no posture problems. It's a good, it's a great chair, actually. That's it's awesome. It's got a lot of buttons and a lot of movement and wiggles and customization. And you pick your size when you order it. So you put in your your height, your weight, and they say, this is the size we recommend for you. Here's your, like, I felt like I was not going to Best Buy and picking up a generic computer chair that I've been through four of at this point, probably the cost of a normal chair. So <laughs> anyway, not sponsored stream or anything like that. Just saying it's a good quality product. And if you spend a lot of time in a chair, it's probably Might worth, be worth it. the investment, huh? Uh, yes. What, brand is, what those... brand is this? Secret Labs. Secret Labs. Okay. Yeah, it's cool. I got a co cookies and cream is the name of it. They do all sorts of like, I've seen them do like Space Marine chairs and Batman chairs. And they they have quite a bit of stuff that they do with Secret Labs. It's pretty neat. They have a a one above this one as well. That's the Napa hide leather, which is what they put in the Corvette. And it was like $950. <laughs> I'm not that crazy. I kind of regret it, you know, but we'll see. <laughs> He's not that crazy. However, if the disposable income was there. Oh, yeah. yeah. In a heartbeat. <laughs> in a heartbeat. Exactly. <laughs> All uh, right. So I was gonna say, no other than one... that, yeah, we, uh, I, I picked up a few more games for Black Friday sale. Um, nice. Not that I needed Dragon's Dogma: Dark Arisen again on another console, but I have <laughs> it now on the PC, and it is beautiful. <clears throat> so yeah, I, I think I got seven games for eighty bucks by the time it was all done. Wow! Uh, so I'm bad. now up over six thousand hours of rpgs to play on steam if i ever get unhooked from mmos um, you're just never gonna play them you realize this right you're just throwing money at <laughs> don't come in they were on sale it's okay but 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 is it i mean it's like me and my rpg books <laughs> they'll come a day and you'll be like i got it on the real cheap i now have several hundred hours of the witcher trilogy <laughs> for 9.99 it was worth it fair enough what about you zach not a lot. I spent the week reading. I made it all the way through Gideon the Ninth by Tamsin Muir. I'm about three-fourths of the way through the sequel, Harrow the Ninth. They're really, really, really good. Harrow the Ninth is up for a uh, a Hugo Award for Best Novel this year. So, Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. So that's kind of what I spent my week doing. A lot of reading, a lot of cool stuff to say. Um, mm -hmm. I highly recommend them if someone is looking for a book to read, but 
That's kind of it. I spent my week wrapped up in rehearsals for uh, A Christmas Carol, the radio broadcast, which will be got two weeks left. And then I will be taking an extended break from theater for a little while. Uh, And then I've also been working on uh, my final capstone project for my master's degree. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've drugged this one out. I like I have three months left of, of this term, and I didn't do anything for the first three months of it. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, and it's it's stupid because I'm like I know what I'm going to write about. I know what I'm going to do. I'm I'm working through an annotated bibliography, and you have to have two uh, two articles from each of the classes that you've taken, uh, which comes out to about twenty articles. And you're talking, these are scholarly reviewed articles, peer reviewed articles. So they're easily 15 to 20 pages a piece. Yeah. And when there's 20 of them, that's a whole lot of very, very technical reading. Yeah. You got a book to read. Exactly. Exactly. And I'm, I think I'm about halfway through that part of it. And, and like ideally, uh, so this, this master's couples with my other one. So instead of having to take like 15 classes, I only had to do six. Because most of them were done with my MBA mm-hmm. program. So the nice, I mean, that's great. But uh, as, part of the, uh, as part of the capstone project, like I said, you're supposed to have two articles from each of the classes. Well, some of these classes I took three years ago. Oh, gotcha. And I'm like, oh, well, now I'm fucked. Yeah. <laughs> and they recommend as you start the program to start to build your annotated bibliography as you go through. Well, oh, that was three years ago. Right. So I, I messaged the, the the professors and I'm like, hey, maybe there's a way that I can get out of this. And they're like, no, you have to do them. Shit. <laughs> yeah. <Well. laughs> so a lot of very technical business related stuff, uh, leadership related stuff. Uh, some of it's been really good. I've actually come across a couple of articles that I thought were very pertinent to the my field of, of work. Uh, being in healthcare, uh, ended up forwarding them on to the other leadership, mem- other members of uh, the leadership team that I'm a part of. So that was it. No, it actually turned out to be really good. There's been a couple articles that I've either printed or emailed to people that I know. I'm like, hey, you should read this. But yeah, that's been my week. Other than that, like I said, rehearsing for It's a Christmas Care or Christmas Carol, not It's a Christmas Carol, which is really cool with with those radio plays because you get to keep your script with you at all times, so you don't have to memorize anything. Yeah, and we'll be doing that live at the Y.O. Theater in the Black Box uh, December 18th and 19th. And then, like, I think we have three productions and then the evening one on Saturday, that Saturday will be streamed live, which will be fun. Oh, cool. Yeah. And like I said, an extended break from theater after that. So that makes sense. We'll see how long. We'll see how long, but depends on what's coming down the pipe. Well, yeah, that's exactly it. I know at least uh, I won't do anything until at least next fall. So need a break got other things i have to work on yeah so and it makes you appreciate stuff too you know i mean i think that is a big thing of some time away realize what you miss what you don't miss and Mm -hmm. yeah and that's exactly it well and and truthfully and i know i've mentioned this to both of you uh this last year year and a half my mental and physical health and and even somewhat esoterically speaking my spiritual health has just plummeted so this extended break is going to be a focus on those things good well and i think again when you look at that stuff you're if you're always going you don't have time to breathe and that's you know that's a tough thing too Mm -hmm. because then you gotta you gotta do a little check-in with yourself and be like wait been going to heal but the last three years have been kind of an awkward blur with covid and Mm -hmm. and trying to just stay ahead of things so makes sense for sure yep 
So, and you know, the other thing I want to focus on is my writing. Uh, I used to write all the time and I've gotten way away from it. So I will be focusing on, on re-honing my writing skills as well. So nice. It'll be good. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Although I was supposed to do it after all together now ended and then they got suckered or they conned me into doing this one, but that's okay. So new anyway, year, new schedule. I like yeah, it. exactly. So let's jump into the news. Uh, we do this, uh, just a tiny bit of stuff from Dungeons and Dragons this week. Wizards of the Coast has launched a spell survey. Did either of you have a chance to take a look at this? I did. I did yeah. Did you? Okay. Just really, really, really quickly. Yeah. They're asking for you, the players, to rate spells from very dissatisfied to very satisfied and everything in between. I, I wonder if they're actually, you know, because this is based on the spells from the player's handbook. I wonder if they are going to be overhauling that. I know they've talked about like this D&D uh, 5.5e. Uh, so I wonder if we're going to see some overhauling of the spells in the player's handbook, maybe an updated list, which I'd be fine with. There are a couple of other spells mixed in that you can review, but a lot of it is like uh, Bigby's Hand. Did you like it? Did you didn't not like yeah. it? Were you, are you satisfied or are you unsatisfied? Kind of things like that. Um, so, Zach, do you what do you think? Do you think they're redoing some spells or considering taking some out? I, I hope so. I don't know if every spell needs to be taken out. I actually think that this is a problem that fifth edition has had from the start. And it's not the spells. It's how they've communicated to the players. OK, and it will come up when we talk later on about monster of the week, because it's an important point that I came that I have seen. OK, is that Dungeons and Dragons does not communicate their intention behind the rules oh yeah i know okay and I know so what you're you about. yeah and so i think a lot of players look at fireball a third level wizard spell and flame strike a fifth level cleric spell and go these deal the same amount of damage but fireball is a lower spell slot and hits a wider area mm -hmm. and so the players go why are these different and the difference is because clerics aren't supposed to have fireball. That's that's the only intent. Right. That's it. Well, and I think and, they, when they you go back and look at it, they're like, well, fireball's iconic, so we wanted to yeah. have a little more oomph. And it's like, okay, but I shouldn't have had to do a deep dive and find the back end lore to understand why. Exactly. Like Mordekainen's sword is one of the worst spells in the game, easily, because it's a seventh level spell and it deals one more damage dice than uh spiritual weapon. And spiritual weapon is a bad And at that point, spell. if you if you upcated upcasted spiritual weapon, it does more. Yeah. Like yeah, I think it's like four more dice than Mordecai and Sword. And so hope and so I think that's one issue is that a lot of the spells the wizards team just didn't like look you in the eye and go, look, sorry guys, but bards don't get good spells. They have class features that they have to use instead. Right. The balance is overall between the yeah. two. Yeah. And so I think that there's a lot of things that in this, I think this is this has to be for 5.5. I think so too. They have to be changing some spells because some spells just need to be changed. Mordecai and Sword needs to either be taken out or changed so it actually is a good pick. Fair. It's one thing to pick a spell because it looks cool. Mm -hmm. It's one thing when a spell is so obviously bad that no one wants to take it. Yeah, no, that's fair. And there's, I think, and I think there's some things that just need to be like cleared up. I know it's a Xanathar spell, but I know some people think that Tensor's transformation is like really bad, and I don't agree. But I do think that some of the wording and some of the things it includes are a little messed up. 
because one thing is that tensors gives the caster proficiency in all armor, like heavy armor, but you can't cast spells while you're wearing armor you're not proficient in. What? So what do you like? It's like, well, I'm a wizard. Okay, I'm gonna put on this heavy armor, I'm gonna cast tensors transformation, we're gonna go in there and we're gonna it's like, but you couldn't move to a spot and you can't cast in heavy armor so you can't cast tensors to get the proficiency and you can cast it before but it lasts 10 minutes and it takes 10 minutes to put on heavy Mm. armor yeah and so it's like weird little interactions like that where the rest of the spell is just fine and it works just fine they need to clean up a little stuff like that and i think they need to in like express their intent they're like wizards get stronger spells than clerics but I think one thing that I think is important to keep in mind, this is the company that has a 260 page document for their card game. So yeah, Wizards has a history of <laughs> needing to go back and explain things <laughs> because like Magic the Gathering and I'm not even kidding. The PDF for Magic the Gathering is 260 pages for the comprehensive rules. Yeah. So, yeah. Nolan, what are your thoughts on this? You know, I think it is one of those, if if you went through a survey and you looked at characters, I mean, they have access to D&D Beyond where they can look at like races made and they go and you look and like 0.03% of the population makes an orc. Is that because it's lore breaking or is it just bad in comparison to, you know, 48% of the population plays half elves because they have extra stats, they have extra skills, they have extra, they have extra, they have, mm-hmm. you know. So then you look at him like clearly these aren't balanced. And so they come in with the custom lineage to try to fix that sort of thing. Play what you want. We don't care. This is how it goes. You look at things like, I I bet you could look at across a board of cantrips of when you have entire builds dedicated to getting Eldritch Blast and becoming a better than an archer. And then you look at Acid Splash that attacks, you know, a deck save. And these things are all or nothing type situations where it's like, okay, I would rather dip two levels and pick up Warlock and have magical arrows then spit in somebody's face and most of the time it doesn't work um things that attack you know there's nothing more unepic than a cleric reaching out and calling down sacred flame and having your god miss yeah oh he 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 steps slightly to the left (laughs) you know what i mean like that kind of stuff is so like then it makes you not want to do that um when i build a lot of characters i look at for spells like first level spells just kind of meh out right so i look at my blade and i'm like i have absorb element and i have shield and that's basically all i'm going to cast for the rest of my existence off my first level i have four shields a day is how i look at it now and it's it's really kind of sad where you really have to again like the evoker warp everything around casting magic missile and and, and doing things like that which good bad and different but i think it is one of those things of i want I want the next level of spells to be good and I want to cast them, but also having the old ones just be null and void now just turn into utility is kind of sad. And the balance thing, right? I think looking at mathematically speaking numbers-wise, which is a horrible way to play D&D, once I get animate objects on my wizard, if I want to damage, all I ever do is upcast that. I never cast another high-level spell because it's just not worth it. Now, if you say, well, wizard shouldn't be doing damage, yes, I agree. There's other things that I can be doing. But from a just a sheer, simple thing, hey, I got 7th-level spells. Cool, I'm going to upcast animate object. Hey, I got 8th-level spells. Hey, I'm going to upcast animate object. Because mathematically, it is the most efficient thing for me to do at this point, which I think is going to be fun for a character. But at the same time, it's like, 
I don't know, like seventh level spells. Like I should be like moving mountains, yes. right? At this point, and I can do some things. And and yes, there are spells that you can go into and, and again start making ice clones of yourself and have them do all the. You know what I mean? There are some weird warping things that you're just like. That is so far in the other direction of game breaking that I I don't think I mm -hmm. want to have infinite number of clones doing its thing down there. So I, you know, yeah, moral of the story is, yes, I'm happy they're looking at it. There are a lot of spells that need some love. I don't necessarily think there's any that need taken out. I do think there's a lot that need brought up. I hope they don't go the World of Warcraft thing where they nerf down to make everything mediocre and you just feel lackluster. I hope they bring some stuff up. I hope they, you know, I don't know. It would be fun to see them kind of give even some of the low-level stuff kind of the, the cantrip-style oomph. Hey, I'm a ninth-level wizard. I'm casting Magic Missile. It does plus three instead of plus two. Now I add my proficiency to it. You know, you get some of that through evocations, but it's like I'm really good at casting Firebolt at this point. Why is the novice down the street who took a mad, you know, who read a book in a bookshop just mm -hmm. as effective as casting Magic firebolt as me like give give some incentives to use those games a, a fighter gets a magical weapon now all of a sudden they're making three attacks they're doing you know 6d6 oh they're swinging with a fireball at 11th level and i'm doing 3d10 maybe it's 40 no it's 3d10 at that point that that for again. firebolt yeah at 11th level 11 yeah so I... fighters making those attacks and i get it that's what they're supposed to be doing but this is also what i'm supposed to be doing One i don't most... know if i I don't know if I agree. Okay. I mean, if you're I'm, a first I'm level a, character, right? Casting well, Firebolt, you're just as good as Elemister casting Firebolt. It's the same are thing. Are they? Because... Yeah. It's a hit or one, miss, right? Yeah, sure, it's a hit or miss, but the Apprentice is able to put 1d10 fire, and Elminster is able to put 4d10 fire. Right, so you could roll 4 and damage, is, and I could roll 10. And that is, well, well. that's... <laughs> That or is, you can roll, that's the rolling of 40. dice. That's the, I get it, but I'm just saying it's Elementor, right? Elementor gets a four. Of the factor. Right. Elementor unfortunately rolls four ones because the person ducks down behind uh, a crate at the very last moment and it only hits their shoulder. And, and the, the apprentice fighter. gets a lucky shot and hits the guy right in the head. Yeah, I'm I just think... saying there should be some sort of protection, right? Proficiency goes up, magical weapon goes up. Shri the archer has a plus nine at level four to hit with stuff and is doing, you know, 2d8. You know, I'm just saying there's, you're really good at casting spells. You've ingrained magic into your life. There's yeah. no point to casting a cantrip anymore. Because they are now casting higher level spells. Right, but you're like, swinging I... a sword still. Yeah, but you're swinging a sword. So you've at gotten better at, a, at because at you've gotten better at swinging level. a sword. Yeah. Okay, and so now you're wizard, casting a cantrip at a... And the wizard has gotten better and is casting oh, fifth level spells. Fight. It's a nerd fight. No, I'm just saying. And I... Right. I, un I understand, and I do think that it is an interesting aspect of Dungeons & Dragons that a spellcaster's lower level spells become almost pointless to cast. Yeah, where I feel like the fighter builds on the foundation of the best swordsman in the world never forgets the basics. Now all of a sudden, well, it's like, cool, I'm okay. I'm a fifth level caster, as you say, and I cast, what? Kona Cold, and half of them save. Well, I'll see you tomorrow. I got to go take a nap. I'm well, really powerful now. I, I spent think that's my fifth level the, spell slot. I think that's just the balance of the game. That's what spellcasters are supposed to do. It's a game of resource management 
Okay, so that's yeah. something I want to talk about is the resource management aspect of a, of a, of a spellcaster, because I get I get the idea that um, and this is kind of how I wrap my head around it is that, you know, as you're tapping into that magical ability, it does wear on you. Right. I think uh, jumping to Wheel of Time, they talk about like uh, Aes Sedai facing burnout if they channel too much of the one power. Right. Or, or just blowing themselves yeah. out, period, or, or being completely exhausted. So I understand the killing themselves yeah, in some yeah. cases. Um, so I understand that idea that that tapping into magic is hard and it does wear on you. But as someone who has played a wizard and, and gosh, what were we eighth or ninth level in your campaign, Nolan? That was the most right. devastating thing to me was having to manage those resources because it felt like here's a fight. OK, I guess I'm just going to do cantrips here. And then you see the, the party is getting, you know, kind of getting, you know, their ass handed to them and you still have these powerful spell slots that you can use, but you're like, I don't know if I should use them. You know, whereas a fighter mm -hmm. can go through and do their action surge, get their extra attacks and get them back a lot quicker. So. And I, that's I the, think some that's of the that. appeal of the warlock, yeah. right? Oh yeah. Absolutely. Like, I can take an hour break and get my two fifth yeah. level spell slots. And, and, back. and so that's, that is my biggest complaint when it comes to, playing a, a spellcaster in in D, D currently and i hope that's something that they're actually going to take a look at because that is the hardest thing and it makes it to where i don't want to play a caster now i enjoyed my caster he was an asshole and everybody hated him and that was actually the entire point of the character but um it was difficult and oftentimes and nolan and i talk quite a bit about this because oftentimes i'm sitting there going i should do something but I don't think I can because we just started the game and I don't know if there's going to be a big fight in, I don't want to be in. And then I would do something and then we'd have the big fight. And I'm like, well, I'm just throwing cantrips. Sorry guys. I used everything earlier. Well, I think the, I think it's an awkward thing too. And I can understand the power creep of things. Like I, you can, you can build a wizard to ruin the game right. for the DM. Mm -hmm. And when the DM has to come up with specific rules to counter the wizard where they don't have to come up with the specific rules to counter the fighter, right? That, right. that feels kind of where some of that balance is. Um, and again, looking at mathematics, like there's a lot of cool spells, right? Yeah. Hey, this is my fifth level spell. I'm going to cast tree stride. I'm not going to help in combat today, but we are going to get the fuck out of here. That's cool. <laughs> like, but you feel like an idiot for taking it. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's nothing like, well, what'd you pray for today? Well, I created food and water in the desert and then we got into a fight. You didn't die, but that's not, really impacting you as much as those people shooting right. you with arrows now. Like um, there is those things of, I don't know. I, I think there's cool. I also will say that I am curious to see as I've played spell casters, if I've picked them up and been a high level, I don't know what the hell I'm doing and I don't have a feel for the group. So I'm looking forward to playing one in a little bit slower burn of a campaign. Um, just to get that feel of those moments that are needed. Those moments where I can take off and, and be lackluster um, because it really is, I, I feel like, uh, you need the party as much as anything. Um, when you all have those limited resources, let, let the people do their thing, let the people do their thing. And then when that moment is, you don't, you don't know when you're in the day, but I think as time goes on, the more you play, it's like, all right, they're all going to rush in and charge. I've got the highest initiative. I'm going to drop a fireball. I'm going to do, you know, eight D six to everything out there. And I'll let you guys clean up. Like, yeah, they're all half dead because of me. You're welcome. Run on minions, run on, you know, you find those gaps, but I don't know. It's interesting. I just feel like there are those times where you're just like, I don't, I don't know. And then you go, Oh, that's it for the day. We're taking a long rest. And you're like, 
I didn't cast anything because I had fear of 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 doing the wrong thing. Right. I don't know. I think that's I I think that's the appeal of it though. I, I think that's so. the important bit of it. I also and will say that I having, understand that people but, complain about like I understand that people will look at spellcasters and they will look at the marshals and they will like see a power discrepancy that doesn't exist when you play the game. Because yeah. they're not like they aren't in competition. Right. Like a barbarian and a wizard don't do the same thing. Yep. And so I think people will also look at spells and they'll be like, well, look at all these things that they can do. You know, they can cast modify memory and they can do all, you know, X, Y, and Z. They can do all this nonsense. They can eventually cast wish and, you know, change the very fabric of reality. Right. And then I think people will like look at the fighter and they're going to be like, well, what's the fighter doing? They're going to swing three times instead of one, four times instead of two. But yeah, when you but play the game, those things never end up mattering. Rarely ever. Because at the end of the day, this is a game that's kind of still based on wargaming, and eventually you're going to get into a fight. Sure. And at 11th level, the wizard has to cast Disintegrate every other turn to keep up right. with the fighter. Exactly. They only, ha they only have one 6th level spell. They're not going to do it. And so I think a lot of these spells, ironically enough, a lot of them might actually need to be more powerful. Could be. I, than how I they currently are the, the better a better frequency to cast the spells um and and again i go back to the whole I, having to manage your resources i just don't and that was that's my biggest complaint when it comes to playing a caster is i just don't have the ability to do what i need to do when i need to do it i'm i'm tired of sitting there waiting and saying okay well like like i said i have to hold my or not hold my action but hold on to my resources just in case Whereas everybody else is like the barbarians raging, the fighters attacking a gazillion times, you know, the monk is low in their key and and I'm sitting there going, um, firebolt. Well, I think that makes it when I look at those spells too, um, like hold person is devastating if it works. If it doesn't, it's the worst feeling on the planet, right? And so that those are kind of things. So when I look at those characters, it's like, okay, I'm gonna cast this spell it lasts a minute or an hour. Otherwise, I'm probably not going to do it because I want to have it be active. I, those are the kind of things I'm looking at for my character. Of like, oh, okay, I'm going to get 10 rounds out of this. It's not going to be a one and done type situation. And there will be things like that. I mean, you're not going to not take fireball. It will come up at some point. But it's nice having, okay, I cast mirror image and it lasts until it's out. I at least feel like I got value right. out of it. If it saved me from three hits, that's great. Um, Shadow Blade lasts a minute. I'm going to do some work as long as I can. But I'm building my character around maintaining concentration as well. So you you do want to get some of those more. I'm very picky about my spells. I want them to last. And save or sucks are actually kind of suck. So I don't know what the fix is. I, I do I'm wish that like Elminster's fire burned a little bit mm. hotter, right? Like his fire was more potent. If there was some sort well, of then he should be an evoker <laughs> protection. Well again, also, I just you know what? I'm just gonna say it. I'm gonna say what everyone is actually thinking. We should just use fourth edition spell casting. That's the fix. It's having yeah. having counter spells, have a few daily spells, have at will spells. That's the fix. Yeah. They already fixed it and people didn't like it. Yeah. 
And I think that is one of those, it was, it's an interesting thing to, for that standpoint, again, like you said, it's a, it's a high comment in vampire, the masquerade, I could go through with never casting magic missile and be completely, you know, but the modify memory is going to come up every single day. You're going to find a way to, right. to use it and abuse it. Right. So know what you're playing, I yep. guess, look into what kind of thing, what kind of adventure you're playing. And again, if you are the evoker wizard and you're going up against the battle master fighter, you are going to feel inadequate unless your DM is giving you an opportunity to fight scores of mobs, right? So if you are mm -hmm. a DM and you have an invoker doing that, give them an opportunity to rain down fire and destruction. Be like, I killed 30 guys. That's more than you've killed the entire campaign because I did my thing. Go clean up the mess, you know, that type of situation. So in a one-on-one, -on -one, you cast in Firebolt, you catch a Mastic Mistle, you will lose out against the Rogue, against the Barbarian, against that kind well, of stuff. Let's so. let's move on, because this is taking up a lot more time than I thought it was going to. <laughs> yeah, like, we, can talk, we, can, we can talk about oh, the spell casting of 5th edition for a long time. <laughs> so there is a free first-level adventure for Strixhaven, a curriculum of magic, or a curriculum of, for chaos, sorry, uh, available on D&D Beyond. In this adventure, and I don't know, uh, <laughs> I'll just read this. The players work at the Fire Jolt Cafe and must run things since their manager has called in sick. Okay, guys. <laughs> Nolan, we'll start with you on this one. It's really, really setting the tone for this book, isn't Nolan? it? Well, again, I think it's going after the audience, right? If you think about, again, I it, it's going to be compared to Harry Potter the entire time. So if you think about what kind of shenanigans could happen in diagon alley right at a coffee shop with imps and you know what i mean like you could have a very very fun awkward day from hell job of like so and so came in they ordered a coffee their whatever imp familiar got loot you know what i mean like you and then it's like one of those things it's a really great episode of clerks like i'm not even supposed to be here right. today. like you know what i mean like you could have a lot of fun with it i i, I they are going very much after their crowd. Good for them. Like they're not can like this is this is what it is. So I I'm curious about it. It also brings up the thing of Starbucks is worldwide. It's Fire Jolt Cafe in every city, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, is there organizations that run through every city now in the world? Because I think I would have that, like, well, you know what? Yeah, they're there's a Starbucks. You can go find a Starbucks. They're global. Like the guy who's running it is fantastic. So you know what you're gonna get. I like that idea. I will have shops in different towns ran by the same organization to the same standards there'll probably be twins or triplets or clones that run each shop so when you walk in it's going to be like the the pokemon medical facility and you're just be like wait aren't you nurse joy like no i'm nurse roy like that's my cousin or whatever right so anyway my tangent is it's going after its crowd good for it i think people will have fun with it um and it helps worlds feel more alive, right? You could look at this and be like, I'm not going to run this, but the next time my adventurers are in a city, they're going to walk into a coffee shop. It is going to be something absolutely going insane and be like, I don't think we're ever going back in there. The worst service ever. Like, yeah. So it makes your world feel more alive. There's my rant. I think it's really, if you, you can go read this on D&D Beyond if anyone would like to. I think it really sets the tone for uh, what they're going for. And I really do kind of dig the idea of like working for a whole day and doing a really good job. And they're like, guess what? We here, we're going to split the tip jar and we all get one <laughs> gold. Like, I really, really dig that. I think one of the craziest feelings on that a human being can have is moving to a new town and having to make a new life. Mm-hmm. I've been like, this is this is where I live now. I live in Lawrence, Kansas. I've done that a lot. And you gotta figure 
Yeah, and you got to figure out, you know, what's going on. It's such an insane feeling. And then I would love to induce that in an RPG. I think that would be very, very fun. And I think Strixhaven would be a good job of being like, yeah, you got to go to college, guys. Right. You got to learn how to be, a, you got to pass Warlock 101 before you get Eldritch Blast. My well, thing think- is that I think that they are shoehorning 5th edition into a setting that doesn't need it. And full on, I think Powered by the Apocalypse would be a better fit. We'll be talking about that setting in a, or in a setting. I know, yeah. You know, I, I think... The, I was going to say, this this kind of stuff, uh, I, I do feel like this was like one of the more fun things that we did with Waterdeep, right? We had, we a, had bar. a bar, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And and again, that it, it took on a life of its own. Uh, it Looking at something like this, this could have been like a great downtime thing. You know what I mean? Like you're running the tavern. Here's some things that come up. So-and-so didn't, you know, the server didn't show up today, you know, and all of a sudden you've got Gad the turtle taking orders, right? <laughs> and he's talking like Eeyore, right? What can I get for you? It's like, dude, you got a smile, man. Like, you know, Tally is sitting there just like, dude, you guys are busier than ever. Do you need some help? Like, yes, all we can get, you know? So anyway, I, I it, it helps make the place feel more alive. And so I, I could see this. I would have a hard time playing an entire adventure going to college, right. working at, you know, we're playing Friends, right? The D&D adventure. We're going, Rachel, you're supposed to be working today. Oh, stop sitting with your friends on the couch. Like, okay, whatever. But Yeah, this one, I don't know. This one hit me weird. I will say that, you know, having talked to several younger role players, uh, obviously people who quite literally, I could be their father um, that are in their 20s. And, are their fathers uh, yeah well, that's true and just knowing this i really think that strixhaven is going to hit all their hot buttons i really think so it doesn't do it for me and i, I agree with zach on that one it does not do anything for me this adventure i read through it briefly and i'm like yeah nope not at all interested and it was an immediate turn off for me but i guarantee you there is going to be some people who play this and they're going to absolutely love it and that's what it's for right so I'm all in. It's just, well, I'm all in as long as they're playing it and I don't have to. <laughs> so, all right. What's that? I think it, it's yeah, lighthearted. Uh, it's right. fun. They kind of did that with uh, the Wayfarers, is right? Uh, whatever the last carnival adventure mm-hmm. was. So I'm, I'm again, getting some more people into it. Sure. Different, Absolutely. different group. And, and I'll be curious to see, you know, as they're coming out with this survey, um, what they come out with spells as well to see if we were starting to see a shift towards air quotes, power creep as everybody hates, or maybe just what the future is. We've seen that with long rest. We've seen things with like use per proficiency, using some of those things per rest. So maybe this is kind of there. We threw it out there. People hated the book, but they love mm-hmm. the spells. We're bringing it back, you know, type situation. Right. So. Okay, well, that is all I saw for D&D. So let's bounce over to Onyx Path real quick. There's still 11 days left to back Trinity Continuum Anima. This Kickstarter is fully funded and they are working their way through stretch goals. So if that's something that you're interested in, there are there is a link in the show notes. Onyx Path did announce the release of, Leg- of the Legend Lore PDF and On Demand that is on sale now at uh, DriveThruRPG. We've spoken quite a bit about legend lore, so if that's something you're interested in, there's a link in the show notes to some of our past episodes, so you can check that out. Trinity Assassin's pre-order is also available on DriveThruRPG, link in the show notes. So if you want to play a hired killer in your Trinity games, this could be the book you're looking for. I did see in the Monday meeting notes that this January, Onyx Path will be turning 10 years old. I guess I didn't, it just 
I don't know, never clicked that they're 10 years old. So it looks like they're going to be planning some special events or special, yeah, special events to celebrate the occasion. So be sure you look for that. If we hear of anything, we'll let you guys know. Jumping over to Renegade Games real quick. Renegade Games has recently announced a free New Year's Eve adventure for Vampire the Masquerade 5th edition. They haven't said exactly what that's going to entail. They just said gather your coterie and prepare for a New Year's Eve. So that they say you have to sign up to get the adventure. There's a link in the show notes if that's something you want to do. So make sure you check that out as well. Uh, I am working over at Free League. I am working to get us an interview with the new Vessen or for someone with uh, in regards to the new Vessen Kickstarter that's coming. It has been very difficult lately to get schedules to line up. Uh, I was back and forth with one of them last night and just could not. Uh, he was he had some restrictions. We have restrictions and. Yeah, it was interesting. So we'll see what happens there. Zach, I wanted to ask you, you mentioned something about the runes of Simmerum this week. What news did you get regarding that? Yeah, I think everyone might be like all hands on deck, at least the crew, because uh, um, they have finalized uh, the three main nice. books. The Game Master's Guide, Bestiary and Player's Handbook are done. Um, I know that there's still like maybe some formatting things that are going to happen because now they have to take a PDF and put it onto a book and that changes some things, but they're, they're done. That's great. So I have the, I have the finalized three books. So I given, you know, global supply chains right now, who knows, but it does seem like, uh, after in the next two months that I'll probably be getting these books. You know, you talk about global supply chains. I was reading that the ports in Long Beach and L.A., where which is where we see a large portion of the global shipping come into, they have, of course, the administration has talked about adding certain, all sorts of tax and stuff like that for these ships that are sitting out there. But I guess they, they have said that they are significantly working through those cargo ships that are sitting out there. Like there was a 33% decrease in the amount of ships out there just this week. Uh, so lots of stuff is being brought in and unloaded and shipped out. So I think we're going to start seeing uh, things start hitting the shelves again very soon. I noticed that we were at uh, our local Walmart last night doing some grocery shopping, and I was just amazed at how much stuff they didn't have. Just like empty spots in the coolers yeah. and the you know in the, on the shelves and things like that. So I was very surprised. It's amazing what a uh, hundred dollar a day tax for sitting uh, yeah. gets you for motivating unloading yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. Huh? Yeah, exactly. Right. Other things, either, I did see that either do your job or yeah. we will find you until yeah. we can do it. That's exactly it. The One Ring PDF is now officially available on Drive Through RPG. So much like Simbarum, I did get the final PDF for the One Ring. Uh, this is another game that we've taken a look at. You can find that in on our website. You can still pre-order all the stuff that was unlocked during the Kickstarter campaign at the Free League website. I didn't see the runes of Simbrum at the Free League website. I don't know if that's just under Simbrum in general. I'll have to go back and double check that. But that means the One Ring is ready for printing. And that is something that they did talk about. Kind of the same thing. You know, it's it's as it gets done. They did say that with the One Ring, I did see that they said... Um, Okay, let me back up. It has been printed. It is being sent to their distributors. They said that the main book has de- has been delivered at their, I want to say it was their Indianapolis warehouse for shipping in the U.S. Apparently, their shipping in the U.S. is going a lot better than it is the rest of the world. So they do expect, obviously, now we're dealing with holidays. They do expect for that book to start shipping very soon. Um, I would imagine it's going to be after the first of the year before I see it, though. But still... 
yeah. I have a fairly large Not package really coming on that one, so I'm I'm looking forward to it. I too have a fairly large package. <laughs> Thanks, Patrick. Speaking right. of large packages, Nolan, anything mm. new at Tolis? <laughs> No, I did not. I got the last stuff. I did get the the character cards. Uh, I got my DM screen as well that came nice. with that last round. I know that they are working on a, uh, I think there's another adventure that they're working on as well. So I've, I've got it all stacked up, still in cardboard, waiting for the day to, to yes. do it and all that fun stuff. A few years from now, I yeah, guess. Whatever. I did you end up backing Plane Breaker? I did not. I know that it's one of those things of, I want to play Tolis. I also think Plane Breaker would be a great way to just absolutely kick the uh, campaign up if it gets that far. Like, you know, I, I feel like that's kind of one of those things of all of a sudden you're doing your thing, you feel like it's over and a comet comes past the sky and it just brings a whole new set of rules and now you're now we're in the end right. game, right? So I think if we go through Tolis and we like the world and stuff like that, I definitely will look into bringing in more of that kind of stuff. But I feel like, again, we're, what, four uh, games deep on the two playlist. So, cool. yeah, yeah, I mean, it's definitely getting there. That's for sure. So, all right. So let's jump to our topic for this week, which is going to be, Ooh, whoops, I did have one thing. Sorry. I got hit with a advertisement as Kickstarters will do. Um, and there was a five E Kickstarter out there called uh, rewards and rarities. And it is a five E compatible kind of magic item guide. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it is all about, putting prices to stuff how much how do you explain gold for a plus one weapon versus you know because we kind of just have like well it's green it's somewhere between this and this and so they really break it down that way so that way if i have a cloak of displacement which is blue and you've got a moon touch sword or whatever i clearly got the better end of the right. deal right so they did that they talked about different ways of rewarding your characters from vehicles to mounts non uh magical equipment is expanded in there they added 75 brand new non-magical items and adventuring gear to kind of get into the game uh, one of the th interesting things that they did was they gave DMs a section based upon what the character is playing and say, hey, your character is this, this, and this. Well, they kind of went through and they added a situation where, hey, this is the type of character. This is based upon the class. Take a look at this here so you can kind of get them a thing in there. Create your own dragon horde and have a, have some things that are useful for people. But it is on Kickstarter. It looks like it's more than going to be funded. It's got about eight hours to go at the time of this podcast. Ten thousand dollar oh. goal, one hundred sixty five thousand uh, dollars is what they hit. So, oh, <laughs> so apparently, I know uh, through. Well, 3. that sounds 5. interesting. I guess we'd better jump on it. We got 3. eight hours to go. Yeah. So they they did a they did a nice job with it. I know with three point five and fourth edition, one of my, some of my favorite books extra that I got were the tomes of magical items, um, and just the creativity. Oh, yeah. that went into uh, stuff. What was Adventurer's the fault? weapons of legacy? Ooh, that was you a sent very me good the one. PDF of that one. I liked that one a lot. Yeah, I like I I don't know. Magical items is like the most my most favorite part of the game and seeing them take a step back from that in fifth edition it was the biggest culture shock for it so anyway this thing is out there uh, i it looks like they're gonna have some pdf and then eventually a print book as well 
their estimate for the their rewards and rarities deluxe print and PDF is December 22. The PDF will be in July, it looks like. So they're, they're a thing there from potions to ponies, sabers to spell scrolls, wands to wagons. Rewards and rarities is your one-stop shop for rewarding the most heroic adventuring parties. Never again have your pack cluttered with magic items you forgot or struggled to assemble a draconic horde. Rewards and rarities gives you games, a trove to remember. So yeah. anyway, kind of cool. Super popular. Again, $165,000. Apparently people were ready for some more loot in their hours left. Yeah. So. Very cool. I like it. I like that kind of stuff. Again, but I'm a sucker (laughs) for it. That's awesome. And a magical wagon. I don't even know, right? (laughs) After, after Rhyme of the Frostmaiden when we (laughs) had the RV (laughs) of uh, awesomeness. That's true. That also would have been one of those things of like, guys, we're done adventuring. Cool. Here's some strict saving stuff. You guys now run a caravan and three goblins you kind of got to you know pay their living wage so anyway, Kodolbs, or however we were saying it <laughs> cold albs right? cool all nice. right so let's jump over to our our topic of the week which is monster of the week this week we are doing a first look at monster of the week from evil hat productions this is a standalone rpg that uses the apocalypse world powered by the apocalypse uh, rule system you can purchase this game on drive through rpg link in the show notes uh, it is, uh, like I said, you could also go to Evil Hat Productions, and I think I saw it on Amazon as well, where you can purchase the book. This is a new game to us. I don't know how long this game has been around. I think this is like the revised edition. 2015. Okay. With that in mind, Nolan, you're the one who brought it to us, so I'm going to turn it over to you. Yeah, I have a few friends that asked if I want to play this game. They've had some good luck with it and enjoyed it. From the description, most people don't believe in monsters, but you know the truth. They're real, and it's your task to bring them down. This revised edition of Monster of the Week brings that adventure to life, and Monster of the Week is a standalone action horror RPG for three to five people. Hunt high school beasties a la Buffy the Vampire Slayer, travel the country and bring down unnatural creatures like the Winchester Brothers of Supernatural natural or head up a government investigation like Mulder and Scully. This book contains everything you need to tackle Bigfoot, call her a chupacabra and drive away demons. So that's kind of what it is. It's, it's, it, it very much is characters straight out of, you know, Buffy or angel. Some of those shows, supernatural, um, get the Scooby-Doo vibe, hardcore. Uh, each person has their own role. There are uh, character creation brings to life. These, these guys are hunting the monsters. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Some of them. I mean, there is a mundane, right? So it, it things that I kind of looked at when reading this, I've, I've avoided a, a little bit, mostly looking on character creation. I won't be the story keeper on this one. I will be a oh, hunter. Okay. Um, so I, I get to, I get to play it and kind of learn. It seems super easy uh, as far as the dice rolling. Don't let it get in your way. A lot of people that I said, Forget D&D, forget about, don't worry about the harm stuff. Don't worry about this kind of stuff. Fighting is the last step, right? And if you think about those those shows from back in the the, the early, late 90s, that, that kind of was, what we don't know what we're facing. We've got to figure this out. The investigation mm-hmm. is the game, really, in this one here. And I, I, Yeah, I mean, uh, you leave the fighting to Buffy. Yeah. Right. She's, you know, she's the slayer, right? And that the, doesn't mean and that Xander and Willow aren't contributing. They just they, aren't the They killers. did their part. Everybody has their role. You can't double down in classes, which I thought was really cool. Um, mm-hmm. And then when Not you're, allowed to in uh, Powered by the Apocalypse. When you build your character, you go through as part of your creation of how you know the other person, right? And, and I think that's really cool. So if I'm playing the Chosen and, you know, Zach's playing the person designed to help me fulfill my destiny, like all of a sudden I got, what was the, uh, what was the Apocalypse movie? 
priest, not priest, same guy from priest. They're at the gas station. She's giving birth to the next coming. The angels have given up on heaven. I think that's called, I think that's called, I think that is priest, isn't it? Same guy who also does, uh, he's also vision. Yeah. Isn't that his name? Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. I know. I know what you're talking about. I think he ends up being like an angel or something. Yeah. He's Michael. What is it? Yeah. It's called Legion. So God has given up on humanity and has turned the faithless to attack this place. And Michael shows up and says, I still have hope in humanity. And this kid being born is going to be the chosen one. And so he's the protector of the chosen one. So that's actually a role that you can play in this one here. Your job is the divine protector of Buffy, right? This is your whole thing is to make sure she succeeds. And um, so anyway, if it has a trope, it has a character, and I love that, and they're having fun with it. Um, so you decide what kind of game you want to play. Do you want to be Scooby-Doo? Do you want to be Supernatural? Do you want to be Buffy that protects this, you know, this university is on sacred ground. It's a hot spot for Supernatural. This is what we do. The mundane is there to just be helpful and, like, go to the library. You have an expert there who has studied this for generation and has trained the last, you know, chosen one. You have the the mystic who can put down the you know the wards of the monster, but you don't know what you're fighting, and so the idea is is this is what we're doing. This is investigation. So people will call you and be like, "Listen, I, I heard you guys do this kind of thing. Uh, I house is haunted," and you can be like, "Well, I'm going to make an investigation check. What's it haunted by?" And they're just like, "I called you. I don't know." I don't figure know. it out right and so that's part of the thing like well we'll go look at the history i'm going to go to the library i'm going to do this what do i know about and so it also gave me some vibes of the witcher right the witcher just doesn't go in and blind fight anything he knows mm-hmm. it's this okay I, i've done some homework i think i'm fighting this spirit i know they're weak to silver this and this i'm going to need this i'm going to need these essences and we need to find the spot that they died and, and so i don't know. theater of the mind is very mm-hmm. heavy the dices are just kind of there to aid with it. Um, I don't know. It, it looks cool. I'm excited for it. I have no idea what I'm going to play. When but are you playing the game? I, we're working on that. I think it's going to be like one of those things once a month over Discord because okay. one of the people is in Texas, another person is in California, and they're looking for a little break from World of Warcraft. Okay. So, I think this is a good one to do. Yeah. I, I, like I said, from everything that they've told me, it's fairly simple to pick up. And again, most of it is theater of the mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that's. So I looked at some of the the character creation stuff. They have a really nice cheat sheet. Oh, um, I sent that stuff over to you guys as well. Next week, then for your game, uh, we could take a look at that. That would be fun. I will. I, I it will. It'll motivate me. I think it only take. It would only take like three oh, minutes. Really? That yeah, fast? it's it really is a pickup okay, and play. Okay. Yeah, it's that fast. Or maybe we could just talk um, about it briefly. I don't know. I. Yeah, and maybe we look at characters yeah. next week, and that could be kind of more of a deep dive. Too. So something that I really liked is on page one sixty five. Uh, they mention it is literally the title or the title of the section is mention how things work. I wish every RPG book had this section because, and I'm just going to read this paragraph. Mm-hmm. It says, this is a good time to explain the player agenda. Page 96 basic moves. Page 101. What to roll an ad. Page 99. Use luck. Page 113. When to mark experience. Page 118. And how to level up. Page 118. Just to give enough detail to get started rather than trying to explain everything right now. You can fill in more details when they are needed. I like that. I'm like, oh, 
okay, so I can just go to page 101 to see what the basic moves are instead of trying to flip through the book quickly and uh, what page was that? What chapter was that? You know, looking at the the uh, table of contents, yeah. things like that. This was, I was like, holy shit, that right there was like, uh, I wish every RPG book had this. Well, and I think they have most of the moves like, so they came out with a cheat sheet um, and it is like, here's a hunter's cheat sheet. This is your agenda. Act like a hero in this story because you are. Make your own destiny. Find the damn monster and stop them. Play your hunter like they're a real person. And then it gives you a list of basic moves. And literally everything you can do is on two sessions or two pages, right? What do you want to do? Kick some ass, act under pressure, help out, investigate a mystery, manipulate somebody, protect someone, read a bad situation, use magic, bad magic, harm, recovery, mm -hmm. luck. And that's it. Those are your abilities. And it tells you right there. So it, it really doesn't get bogged down in the dice. Right. It gets, what do you, this and, is what I want to do, well, right? This is how I'm going to do There's another section okay. that I read. They talked about, you know, um, oh gosh, what is it? Something like uh, keep it to the, like make it a conversation or, or keep it to what they're doing. Like uh, in the case of like investigating or, or interrogating, was a, I think was one of the examples they used where you're asking questions and it's like, instead of just jumping straight to rolling the dice, you know, have them ask the question and then roll the dice, let them make it a conversation. And I thought that was a really, I mean, that's something that you can apply to every single game that we do. Right. It's like, okay, you're, you're, you're interrogating this person. We're going to roll the dice and that's going to determine what you get, but interrogate, let's do this. And I really like that. Yeah. I, for, for those who aren't aware of like powered by the apocalypse, it's, the way the game works is that you have your five skills and depending on which hack or total conversion mod you're playing depends on what dice you roll. In this case, you just roll 2d6 and you add whatever that skill is. And it looks and... like for stats, you can run anywhere from a negative one to a plus three and plus three is mm -hmm. like you are really good at it. Yeah, so, if you've got a cool of plus three, you're the coolest. You can't be cooler than this. So 2d6 plus the... three. Plus three, yeah. And, and then gets your results. You get your results, and six up, or I think seven up is a success. Mm -hmm. But the way that Powered by the Apocalypse works is that the Keeper, in this case, um, or the Dungeon Master, the Game Master, called the Keeper for this game, doesn't get to do anything until the players have rolled and either fail or partially succeed. And if you roll a 10 up, then it's a perfect success and the keeper doesn't get to do anything back. So like and on this one has of the... been a, this has been kind of like a way that keeps the game moving is that it's player first in all things. And later on, it says that the keeper has a soft move and a hard move. Hard move can damage the players. It can do stuff. It can set them back. It can harm them, but it has to follow a soft move. Right, the giant weasel has to run at you, and you have to see it. That's its soft move. Okay, you're not going to do anything. Now it's time. Now it's the hard move. Now it's going to bite you, and it's going to do some harm. And, and I think I was going to say they they make a big deal out of harm too. Like it's not five e where it's like you got hey, four gonna, hits. Yeah, you and then you're out. You're in the hospital for a time period. Like you know, like you may not die. You may die, right? or you're you're out of the action for a while you're just a human you're a mundane you're whatever you're recovering and that's going to happen sometimes but you've got one life and be super careful with it yeah so and then, i think uh, i think the and then so you've got your stats and you've got what the keeper can do 
And you interact with the game by using your moves. Like, move is like, kick some ass. That's how you deal some harm. Uh, I think one of the, I think the brilliance of the Powered by the Apocalypse is that there's no time frame on your moves. So, you are in a bad situation, right? Or you know that someone isn't, and someone's about to get hurt, and you want to use the protect somebody move. Well, you roll your dice, it's a 10, it's a perfect success. You push them out of the way of the monster, you yourself get out of the way of the monster, and everything's fine. Now it's the next person's go. And the keeper doesn't even get to do anything because it was a perfect success. So on the on the but, little cheat sheet that they give you, it says, protect someone. You prevent harm to another person. Roll plus tough. On a 7 plus, you protect them. Okay, you'll suffer some or all the harm they're going to get. On a 10 plus, choose an extra. You suffer little harm, minus one. All impending danger is now focused on you. You inflict harm on the enemy. You hold the enemy back. On a 12 plus, both you and the character you're protecting unharmed and out of danger. If you're protecting a bystander, they also become your ally. So it, it, I like that it has this. Patrick, you've done that a few times too in our games. Right. Of Okay, yep. you're going to get something here in everything. And then, so it's kind of one of those things of like, well, I'm going to ask again. No, I'm giving you something. Like, Here's the thing about these moves. Like that instance of like, oh, the monster is here. Stop that. Partial success. You roll. But that's still your what could be action. And you 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 see the red dot on their chest just in time. You push them out of the way, but you get shot in the shoulder. It's the same move, and you don't need to worry about extended tests. You don't have to worry about setting up scenes or rolling initiative. It's just you you make your move, and then once it's done, you deal with the fallout. And so this leads to like a scale of play that changes depending on the situation but it doesn't change what you do. And the number of stories that you can tell is like drastically increased. Right? Like Batman trying to find the Joker is an investigation check. Him also trying to find just a single clue in a room is just make an investigation. It feels like these kind of games can go as fast as you need them to without getting bogged yeah. down. Well, and it, and it was just reading I, a couple other things about it. And they said one of the things that really makes this game stand out is the fact that there is very little for the keeper to prepare. Like most of the characters yeah. are are mundane, as Nolan said, and there is no stats. They have some dis like most of the NPCs. They just have some descriptors for the most part. The only thing you have to worry about is the monsters and well, they're done for you. And yeah. on Amazon, I actually just went and bought the book because on Amazon, it's $19 for the book, and, and, which is dirt cheap yeah. when it comes to an RPG. Now, I, granted, there was more I could have added to that into purchases. This looks like this would be one of those where, hey, guys, we're in between D&D &D sessions. We just want to get together and play a quick game. Mm -hmm. Let's do this and have a little fun. And it's just, you know, going to be bang, bang, yeah. shoot them up combat or we're going to unmask. The, and, and, and it's funny, Nolan, in the reviews or in the questions, they specifically said, yes, this is very Scooby-Doo like. And it lends itself to that. Well, and I think even for your... The monster of the week arc preparation sheet for the DM is one yeah. page. Here's the concept. Here's the hook. What time of day is it? Here's some custom moves or whatever. This is the threats that they're going to run into. This is their armor. This is their harm capacity. And it's one sheet. I've got it. This is what you're fighting. Let's see how we get there. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're in. I, I've seen many things. Um, I believe it was Nerdarchy did a thing of saying, this is the, the best 
game that you're not playing to make your D&D better. You won't look at monsters the same. You won't look at investigation the same. Um, and, and that kind of seems to be the, the the trend that I've seen with this. Like this is this is a phenomenal game to play that most people don't know about or not necessarily keeping them themselves, but it just hasn't mainstream press or maybe we just live in our, you know, Wyoming where right. we don't hear about it. But Well, no, I think, I think powered by the apocalypse games are known in like this for those people who are in the know. And I don't think they are outside. It could be. And I would say like uh, until recently, like within the last couple of years, we didn't have a game store like puzzles. So, and I think no, I, like, I was just down at puzzles and just looking over this stuff that, that Halen has down there. He's got quite a bit of stuff that I otherwise would not have found. Uh, unless it, you know, being in Sheridan, we don't get to go to a game store. And even when we are in Billings, the Billings store isn't, doesn't carry a huge selection of, of role-playing games. It's definitely better than nothing, but uh, we don't get the huge selection. I, and which is why I often said I would love to spend a weekend and go to Denver or Fort Collins and just go to every single game store I can. Well, and it's also hard for us to fly out to go to Mm -hmm. conventions where these type of games are going. Um, And, and I will be totally honest. My entire reason for saying that yes to this is because I wanted to learn the system because that's what avatar is being played in. Oh, is Avatar empowered yeah. by the apocalypse? I guess I didn't realize that. I just paid the money and said, yep. send it. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be powered nice. by the apocalypse. There's also Dungeon World, which I know was is a very, very popular system, though I know that the there was some drama with one of the creators mm-hmm. of the system, which is kind of followed after it. But even so, it's like a great way to get the Dungeons and Dragons experience well, without and, having to learn all those and stupid I have found rules. When we, you just roll the d20 right. and you add your scale. Well, I have found when we play these other games, like no one specifically talks about how playing Vampire the Masquerade has made his role playing better in Dungeons and Dragons. And I can say, you know, from when we started to where we are now, having mixed in uh, Vampire the Masquerade, I have seen a dramatic change in, and especially the two of you in your role playing. Instead of just rolling the dice now, there's actually more conversations, right? So I think when you play games like this, even if it is a simpler system, it still helps you to be a better role player in general. And when you only have like limited resources or four or five skills that you can choose from, you learn how to use every single one of your skills. A conversation Nolan and I had earlier this week was where you're looking, Nolan was wondering, and I even said, or I even, I had even questioned um, to myself, why our rogue was not using spells during our last game. The concept was, is like, the way I did that was you guys got an opportunity to use everything to kind of see what your character can do in a very safe way because you knew you were going to survive. And there was no spells cast by by the oh, rogue, yeah. right? And uh, Arcane Trickster, right, Nolan? Isn't that correct? Yeah. So not a single yeah. spell was cast by the Arcane Trickster. And uh, again, this is, you know, I... I I get a little frustrated when, when we have people who've been playing and John, if you're listening, I'm sorry, but I get frustrated when we have people who are playing, who've been playing D and D for four or five years now. And it's a simple thing, like making sure you have your spells ready on your character sheet. That's the beauty of D and D beyond. It shows you those kind of things. And by not having that, that made your character a little less. So if you can take a system where you only have four or five skills and you're forced to use them all, maybe it'll make you pay attention to the other skills that you have. And I'm all for that. Well, I think as we look at this kind of stuff too, it's like, uh, it makes 
those things of there's a lot of little things that I really dislike about 5e that I think get trivialized because you get bogged mm-hmm. down in it, right? Being a ranger with an expertise in survival, you help your people travel through the woods faster. Like that that gets so glossed over because you're probably gonna travel through right. the, you know, ooh, it's been an extra week, like and you're a little dehydrated. Like nothing bad happens. So having yeah. some of these things with like um I'm looking forward to having this kind of stuff where investigation makes things a little different. I know as like a DM and stuff like that, like a lot of the people that um, here, it's like, okay, I'm going to make an investigation check. You know, this, this, and this, and this, and this, and this. And and in this one here, it's like, these people don't know shit and there's nothing in the library. Get more creative and go figure it out. I'm not going to, you know, regurgitate everything you need to know. This is the point of the game. Figure it out. I'm not here to tell you the answer. It's you're here to put together the pieces and in a lot of the dms i saw this was like stay out of their way there is nothing greater than when they figure it out oh we're fighting a werewolf and is any of the lore true and some of the lore is true yeah. and maybe it is silver but it needs to be a certain kind of silver and mm-hmm. and you know yeah, what i mean and, like and so, i like because it's I, interesting I, that you mentioned werewolf because they actually call out a werewolf in particular because they say yeah you know typically the lore states that it's silver, but you can use that, that investigation. It's like, yeah, silver does tend to work. However, this is the special hybrid werewolf that only Wolfsbane is going to kill it. And you have to, right. and the this keeper can tell different. them that through their, through their whole thing. And I, and like, and that's the other thing that yeah, roll a 12, you get as yeah, much information and they even talk as you about, like, be honest with your players. Don't just let them like, they, they talk about going into a, a situation where um, they're going to get ambushed, right. Where the keeper should tell them, yeah, you've done this enough. You know, this looks like you could be ambushed here. And, and the, cause the players, and, and I think that's a failing on my part as a DM. When I look about, when I look at how we play D and D and I think I've done a better job of it, but being able to tell you guys, you know what, you've done this enough, you know, this doesn't look right. This looks like it could be a setup. And they talk about it doing that in this game, being upfront with your, being honest with your players and not necessarily holding things back. And I actually touched on this earlier, and I'm gonna say it now that I think that this come that comes from a a tradition for like D and D style games that Wizards of the Coast and Paizo and a lot of other play, uh places do. I think Onyx Path does it as well because they're from this tradition of being like, no, this is a book, and the book is its own entity, and there's only the book. There's only like nothing else mm-hmm. happens. Like they only refer to what is inside the book. So they don't talk to you. Right. One of the very first things that they do in Monster of the Week is there's a forward. And after that, it just straight up has right. some advice and it says, hey, you know what you should do? You should write down a bunch of names randomly out of a yeah, phone book. Yeah, I saw that. Or, or, I use a specific book to do it. Also, if you want to make a map, just go to mm-hmm. Google Maps. If you if you want to make character names, just Google fantasy character names. Wizards of the Coast would never, ever, ever put in their book. Just Google right. Maps it. They would never do that. They would never reference to the outside of the book. And what this leads to is that Monster of the Week is so much more personal and so much easier to run because of it. Well, and and I will just going to jump here real quick and say that Onyx Path does do that, uh, especially with, like with their Chicago by Night book. Some of the locations that they put in yeah. there are very real locations, and they even say, you know, take a minute to grab a map 
and show your players this is actually where yeah. you're at and you know and they they mentioned google maps so at least with their modern day stuff onyx path will do that um, but you're right you're absolutely yeah. right i lo- when i read that about grab the phone book here's a list of npc names for you i was like that's yeah. freaking brilliant <laughs> yeah, although it's, it's i mean brilliant. let's be fair it's, it's who has phone books for- anymore <laughs> yeah. uh, your library your library well. does <laughs> you just I, I, I will say is uh the like first choice thing too i really like looking at players when i was looking at creating a character you everybody's special mm-hmm. like which i think is really cool like like literally the chosen gets a weapon that you design that's made for you and one of the things is is like you choose your special weapon what's its form choose one staff haft handle or chain and I was like, okay, that's cool. Now the business end. Choose three options. Artifact, where you can add the magic tag. Spikes, you can add messy. Blade, heavy, long, throwable, chain. And then the final one is uh, material. What's it made out of? And I was like, wait a minute. I can have a handle, and then I choose three of these. So I'm going to have blade, chain, and artifact. So it's magic. Okay, so now I have a, a, ch- I have a handled blade that's a chain, that's an artifact, and it's made out of silver. I, ha- I have a chainsaw yeah. that I can use as a whip. And they're like, yeah, you do. And like, that's yeah. my special weapon. You're like, yeah, it is. Go forth and tell a story with your belt that you whip off. And they're like, oh, pow. And I was like, yes. And then you look at like the divine and it's like, hey, you have a divine weapon. What's your divine weapon? And you're like, I don't know. I'm like, we'll look at this list. Okay, I look at this list. And it's like, okay, guess what? It is a, where's the divine weapon? Where's the divine weapon? Oh, you like Thor? It's Thor's hammer. Yeah. You have that. You want a razor? Yeah. Demon fame bag, silver trident, flaming sword. I have a holy avenger. Yeah, you're a divine. Of course you have a holy avenger. It's like, yeah, I'm the divine. Of course I have a holy avenger. Exactly, exactly. Well, guys, we yeah. are way over time here. And so I just want to do some closing thoughts here. Nolan, this is the, the game that you brought to the table. So let's start with you. What are your thoughts on this game? And would you recommend it? I I don't know. I will be playing it. I get to play it. I It's again, when you look out there and see some of the games out there that you never knew were out there, uh, it's really it's fun to find something new uh, that came out in 2015 and new to us. And it looks fun. It looks simplistic in all the right ways of this is it. Here's your character. Five minutes later, we're playing, Mm -hmm. roll your two dice, add that to it. You succeed. Let me tell you how it happens um, and go. And then just we've, we've avoided Pathfinder, right? Because there's rules on top of rules on top of rules. And that's a, that's not for our table. This feels like it would be great for our table. I, I instantly was turned off by the idea of Buffy the Vampire Slayer because it just drove me crazy. And then I looked at it and I'm like, that would be so much fun to play in. Like, it doesn't have to be that way. I liked X-Files. Right. Let's do right. this, you know. So, again, the tropes are there. Play the tropes. Have fun with it. Make it your own. But it it looks like it a does. lot of fun. And, again, a lot of the people that have <laughs> talked about it, played it, and stuff, it, it says it's one of the best games that you're nice. not playing. Zach? So. I agree with everything. Um I was a little iffy on powered by the apocalypse type things, but the more you read about them, they're just so great. I really get why so many people are just like, I want to make my own thing, but someone has already cracked the code. I don't need to come up with other stuff. They already did it. Yeah. When, once you find that, that style of system, right? You, you've learned it. It's, you know, we happen to be familiar with 5e. It's what we play. We look for games that have converted to it. Yeah, if we, we like, started with this, you know. We like we the could, D20 system, but... Vampire, I think we we would probably play faster, right? If it was in the D20 oh, yeah. system than learning the new system. You know, yeah. so I think it's what you're familiar with. But this here is not that gatekeeper. 
don't know. It's 2d6 plus mm -hmm. some skills. Anybody well, can do it. I, mm -hmm. Yeah, you never... Yeah. You don't need to learn rules. You just need to know how your moves work. I went ahead work. and purchased the book. I love having physical copies of books. And, and at $19, I'm like, yeah, I can spend 20 bucks on it. It's no big deal. Um, I do think this would be really fun. I mean, we haven't, we need to figure out what we're doing with our, well, I need to figure out what we're doing with our Monday night group. This could be a fun one just to say, let's get back into it. We're going to play this game for a couple sessions just to kind of get ourselves back into it and just see what it's like. Cause that group, number one is hilarious. It's a lot of fun to play in that group. Um, and I think this could be a fun, a game that would lead to just absolute hilarity. And, and I think all four of us or all five of us, sorry, would just have a blast. Six of us, six of us. Cause there's yeah. Yeah. So I am looking forward to it. Uh, it is something that, you know, once I finish up with what I'm doing and getting back to our Monday night group, this, this might be our first game back just to get us, you know, shake the rest off kind of thing. So Nolan, if you do get to play it before then, let us know your thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I will. Um, like I said, I'm. it's it's fun to find new games. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, yeah, I'm a sucker for it. it again, high on RP. Um, do what you do in the world, be a human being, you know, it, it, it checks a lot of those boxes where we, we've talked about a lot of games lately. That's kind of one of those things of your person in the real world. Uh, how do you, how do you play it? How do you interact? You're not, you know, you're not some hero at night trading armor. You're a human being and you got to protect it. You're a vampire, you're fragile, you know, during these time periods, you have something to lose this, you have something to lose. And if you can bring more humanity into it, I'm looking forward to, you know, again, playing my D and D wizard because now I've got some things from this year. Like I kind of want to, you know, play with some of the investigation stuff and I want them to be, you know, some of these roles and tropes of a mentor and yep. those kind of things. So bring other games in, make the game you're playing now better. Um, and don't be just because it's new and different doesn't make it you yep. know, wrong. So. Well, you can purchase the PDF on drive through RPG for $12. The link is in the show notes. You can go to Amazon and purchase a paperback copy of the book for, I think it was $21. Uh, it is available on Amazon prime. So I am hoping to have it by Wednesday or Thursday. I think Monsters of the Week looks like a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to giving this one a play. It seems like it's easy enough that we can we can just jump into it and get to it, which is something I'm I'm really looking forward I agree. to. So, well, guys, that is our show for this week. Uh, unless either of you have anything else. Okay, well, that is the show for this week. We will continue to work on trying to get an interview set up for the new Kickstarter for Vessen. Hopefully that comes to fruition. I'm really excited about that book. Uh, other than that, that is. I guess uh, I keep saying that's our show for this week. I need to stop. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.